0: Hi everyone, welcome to HubShot's episode 188. In this episode, we chat about HubSpot's super useful new option in workflows for avoiding merged contact issues, plus tips for automating some of your key sales tasks. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Really well, and as you said to
1: me just before the show, lucky episode 188.
0: Happy Chinese New Year,
1: I Happy say. Chinese New Year, yeah. And of course, we're in Chatswood here in Sydney, which our overseas listeners will not know. But if you're in a Sydney local, you'll know it's a very Chinese-centric area. And yeah, lots of Chinese New Year festivities have been going on. It's been great.
0: That's right. Now, Craig, what's our growth thought of the week?
1: It's same as last week, which is connect with us on LinkedIn. You've been getting a whole bunch of connections on LinkedIn, haven't you?
0: Yes, I have. And I've enjoyed it. I'm going to talk to somebody tomorrow. Hang on, they're connected but, with us.
1: Uh, can I do? Why are you getting all these? Because they're not <laughs> connecting with me. People don't like me. They like you. They like your smiling face. So, yeah.
0: so, listeners, here's what you got to do: pause the episode right now, search for Craig Bailey, and click the connect button, and then search for Ian Jacob. I'll just check I've the got cable. the link
1: right in the show notes.
0: Yeah, I think it's right. All right. Oh, they're connected with the other Craig Bailey, Craig. Actually, it's a pretty common name, probably. Sir <laughs> so, Craig. Why is everyone recording TikTok videos and sharing them on Twitter and LinkedIn? I don't
1: know. I just put this in as a bit of a joke and a bit of a digger, the friend of ours as well. But yeah, it's like everyone's keen to show that they're on TikTok. So they'll create a TikTok video and put it on LinkedIn. And then I'm just like, why? Why didn't you just record the videos like you used to and put them on LinkedIn? I don't know. I'm just having a go. I'm not on TikTok. Maybe I'm just jealous. Are you on TikTok, Ian? I am, Craig. Yeah. Are you recording and posting videos? Uh, not not like the ones
0: our friends have been posting, but I was thinking about doing that. So there you go. I
1: have to get one of my team onto TikTok cuz I'm, you know, I'm a social recluse. I'm hardly on LinkedIn.
0: You're not up at the socials, I'm Craig. Not, I'm,
1: <laughs> oh, you know where I'm not on. I'm not on the Grams. <laughs> I'm not on I'm hardly on Instagram. Well, I've got I've got a private account which I don't connect with anyone. I'm not on Facebook, and lately I've just been kind of uh, avoiding Twitter as well. I've become a recluse. I'm a nomad.
0: Oh dear Craig. I know. You need to be on the socials. You need be to the know the what's socials. going on. Yeah. Listeners, please connect with us. We'd love to hear from you. It really does make our day. And maybe that's why people aren't connecting with me. They know I don't bother turning up on <laughs> the socials. Why would they connect? Oh
1: shut myself in the phone.
0: Well, there you go. We'd love to hear from you. All right, Craig, onto our HubSpot marketing feature of the week. And this is about HubSpot workflow merge in the contact setting.
1: This is so good. Thank you, HubSpot product team, for uh, putting this feature into workflows. Now, we first talked about this back in February last year, so almost a year ago, and we highlighted an issue where if you were merging contacts, say you're merging contact A into contact B, even though contact B had been through a whole bunch of workflow steps, contact A being merged in also got enrolled into those workflows and did all those unexpected things. So, we covered that in episode 149 and then we also did it uh, last November in 179 and we talked about a big workaround that we would do with exclusion lists and you'd put all the contacts you're going to merge into an exclusion list and you exclude those lists in workflows and we have a whole practice, like we we do this for all our clients, right? Because it's such uh, so problematic. Anyway, in episode 179, 8, oh, was it 178, last year in November, I said... She, I wish HubSpot would put in a feature where you could just turn it off. Now, I, I said, I'd like it when you go to merge contacts, it gave you the option. Yes. I thought that'd be a great idea. HubSpot have actually thought this through much better than I did. And they've said, no, actually, it's much better to put this at a workflow level. So now this new feature they've put in is when you go to the settings in a workflow, you can actually go and set an option that if any contacts come in because they're a merged contact, they do not go through the workflow, which is actually ideal. That's exactly what you want because there are cases when you may want them to go through a workflow. Setting properties is a a, a key example of where that might be. So thank you, HubSpot product team, for thinking this through. Thank you for putting this feature in. And I guess the action item for listeners is go through all of your workflows, especially any that send emails. That's the big problem point, sending emails to contacts or internal. Any that send emails, go through and check this setting because you'll probably want to set it to no for most of those workflows. All
0: right, Craig, on to our HubSpot sales feature of the week. And this is the sales automation that uh, I've actually done for one of our clients who requested it and it was interesting. So I just wanted to say this is about creating call lists for sales on a daily basis with defined criteria. And I wanted to share how we do this First of all is creating an active list and you can put the criteria you want. So the example of the criteria that we have is they've viewed uh, certain pages on the website and they've actually done this three times. They're of a type of persona that we don't want. Um, Their last session was three days ago. Their last contacted was more than seven days ago. And they're not in one of the deal stages. So this is a really key thing. And why we did the not in some of the deal stages was because clients can repeatedly buy from this customer. So that was the first part. So this this list obviously gets updated based on criteria. Then what we did was we created a workflow and we made the enrollment criteria, the list, which we call the outbound call list. And then what we do is we check to see in that list is the owner of that contact known if it is then we create a task to assign a call task to that contact owner now if there isn't a owner next to the contact we then create another task but we assign it to somebody else in the team that manages people that don't have assigned owners and that's pretty much it now one of my little things here was when i first did this i put in in the task as call craig bailey and then I realized that other people in the team were putting tasks exactly like that when they were going, Oh, I need to call Craig. I'll just put this. They might not put your last name, but they stick a task in there because they'd spoken to you. And then I looked at this call list and I went, I looked at the list of tasks and I'm like, Oh, how do I know which one got generated out of the workflow and which one did someone actually manually type in? So then I sat down with the sales team and I said, Look, I'm going to, I think we should rename this to a, way that we can easily identify it so now we actually put like it was a call list and then we put the contact's first name and last name as the task name and that's made a big difference so they know straight away okay well this was generated from the workflow and the and the other ones i've just actually put into my list and then they go on further to put things into a queue which then they can go through on a daily basis, but it's made a big difference to them. So now they don't need to think, oh, who should I call if there is no one to that's flagged to be called, whereas this, on a daily basis, populates that uh, task queue. This
1: is so smart because, oh, and by the way, listeners, you go to the show notes because Ian's put some screenshots and it'll uh, make it really clear, especially the branching and how you've named it. I think it's really good. You've basically called out the need for naming conventions. Yes, in these tasks, because otherwise, and it just shows even down to tasks. Having naming conventions makes such a big difference rather than people just having you know, ransom note effective all these different kind of labeling ways. But it's a great example of this: the power of automation. And the thing I really like about it is you're making sure that nothing falls through the cracks, because when people are busy, it probably wasn't a problem, right? Correct. They go, "Oh yeah, I call this. I've got that." Now, they would be like, oh, we missed them. And there was, there'd be no real way to quickly go back and check if you'd missed them. So, by automating, this is just a classic example of the power of automation. And okay. it's uh, saving time, of course, but reducing errors. That's right.
0: All right. onto our HubSpot Extra of the Week, Craig. And this is about 18 columns on a website analytics report. Now, why would we do this?
1: Okay. I'm going to tell a little story here. And eventually, where we're going to get to is this feature... <laughs> In HubSpot reports to edit the columns that you show. That's where I'm going to get to, but I'm going to tell you how we get there. So, we have a client that on their website they wanted to dig into reporting which forms people or or where are people submitting forms. That's actually what they wanted to know. And so, because they didn't know HubSpot that well, they're like, oh, should we create a separate form for every page? Because then we can just look at all the forms and see which form's getting filled out the most and we'll know, oh, that's the one that's working. So my response was, well, probably not. It depends if all your pages are on HubSpot. In their case, it is. In which case, it's a pretty clear decision. No, you only create a few key forms and you use those forms on lots of different pages. So you can have one sign up form and use it all across the site in multiple pages. And then you go into your web analytics report and you look at the list of pages and you see where the submissions are. So you can see where I'm getting to. It started with the question, should we have multiple forms? The answer was no, because actually what they wanted to achieve was reporting across the forms. So they we're going to use multiple forms to try and basically get a reporting outcome. The outcome when they wanted was to check which pages are converting. So then that brings me to the web analytics report. And you might think, oh, okay, web analytics, oh, that's hanging off the report. So you go to the report menu and you normally have two things. You have traffic analytics and web analytics. And people don't really spend much time in web analytics, but it's really powerful. So you should uh, jump in there. But then the key thing is when you're in the web analytics reports, just above the list, there's a little thing that says edit columns. And most people overlook this because... By default, it doesn't have contacts and contact submission rates. So they just see some other things like bounce rates and things, and they think, oh, this is just an, another GA, Google Analytics report. So the key is you've got to use this edit columns. And I've put a screenshot of what we think are the default columns to use in that report. So I know I took a long time to get there. But once you have this option, you're aware of it, then you start going, oh, the web analytics report is really useful. And then you start realizing, oh, landing pages, you don't need to use forms as your reporting mechanism, you're using the web analytics. So when we show this to clients, they're going to the web analytics reports a lot more than they used to. And it's really powerful. And of course, if you then want to drill into each landing page, you can. And then you look at the analytics on each landing page and you get things like the sources and a whole lot more sophisticated. When you start moving your thinking that way and end up on landing pages, you have a much more comprehensive view of how your site is working. Pure gold, Craig.
0: All right, on to our gotcha of the week, Craig. This gotcha is to do with email smart content analytics and the lack of visibility. So, if you're using the drag and drop editor, you might actually put a smart content module in there based on uh, example list criteria to show or not to show. So, there's a default uh, version, and there's a show this content if they belong to this list. So what's a very simple example of what you might use
1: smart content for if listeners aren't familiar with smart content?
0: So a really simple one could be if they are a customer, you show them a different offer versus people that aren't your customers. Or maybe you show them a customer-only offer in the email and the default is actually blank, which is kind of what we'd done. So what we'd done this email. It had gone out reviewing the statistics with the client And they go, okay, oh, we can see the click map. We can see how everything's performed. Oh, but how do I know what people clicked in that smart module? I'm like digging around, talking to HubSpot support, can't figure this out. Anyway, we know how good HubSpot support are. And what happened was they tracked down that A, you couldn't do it and B, there was actually in the community, there is actually a feature request. To have this done, which we probably should, which should already should be in the tool, but nonetheless, there is a feature request. So we put a link to it, and they're going to actually implement it at some point in time.
1: At some point, because that feature, that community link that you sent me, I think it's from early twenty eighteen. It's almost two years. Oh. Well, probably when smart,
0: when the drag
1: and drop email editor
0: was out, I'd say. Oh,
1: you think it's related to the drag and drop email editor?
0: Yes, probably. I don't. Why would that? Oh, maybe
1: not. No, smart content would be totally separate from that, I'd imagine.
0: Anyway, it could be like the gotcha from but last you're quite, week.
1: But you're quite right. When you showed me this and said, I oh, I'd like, that can't be right. So, I went to one
0: of my emails that has and smart content. So, and and you, I was you do some like, pretty funky things in your email. It's like, what? Well, I can't
1: see it. Yeah, hang on. What's going on? I can't see it.
0: Well, you know what, Craig? I'm going to make a prediction. And the prediction is that we will see smart modules across the system.
1: Oh, so you reckon that not just rich text, you mean? Yes. Across all fields? Yes, because that's one of the limitations of smart content. It's only rich text fields. Exactly. Can't apply it to headings and things yep. like that. Are you talking about just of emails but all, or all across emails and yes, pages and everything? exactly. Yeah. I think you're right. I wonder why they haven't done that yet. Probably just been on the backlog. Yeah, yeah you're absolutely right. So headings would be a key one, rich text. Well, they're kind
0: of doing that. What about all, images? They're, they're already kind of... You, you yeah, th- yeah, you could switch out images. Correct. So, they're already kind of doing that. Uh, so, we'll take one little example. They're already kind of doing that in the email subject field where you can actually put different subject lines based on smart criteria. Okay. So, that's happening currently. So, you know, you can change the subject if the person belongs to this list, et cetera. Okay, so this is, there are so many
1: possibilities here when you start. So, you could almost, you could actually have custom, you could have group modules. I wonder if you could could do it at group module levels. Okay, we're geeking out here, so we should stop. (laughs) No, because you could, well, yeah, I am geeking out. I I think you're absolutely right. Yes. That's a big key. You know, I wonder if that'll be.
0: Inbound 2020. Yeah. All right, Craig, on to our marketing tip of the week, Craig. Oh look! You know how every so often I like to
1: pull out an article where someone talks about what a well-performing content piece does, and they'll they'll analyse you know thousands of pieces of content. Yes. And then come with uh, prediction. Oh, not predictions. Or uh, they'll what, what no, they'll use be?
0: the data to make uh,
1: inferences. Yeah, inferences. Correct. So this is another one from Semrush, and they've got. Uh, quite a comprehensive article actually talking about what they've analyzed and what they've noticed and I always like to read this I'm a bit of a sucker for reading these but like any of them I take it with a grain of salt because and I just pulled out too it's a long article and there's lots of insights but I pulled out too and one of the things they showed is that long form content gets more shares and tends to rank better we've kind of known that before because then everyone uh, jumps on it and they write really long padded out junk And that doesn't rank. And they say, oh, content doesn't, length doesn't matter. But anyway, this goes through. If you've got well-written content and you're answering a complex problem with a very high-quality detailed solution, it makes sense that something's more comprehensive will get shared more, right? And probably rank more. And the other one that they had, which I thought was interesting, I'm just putting this out there for people who are interested in this kind of stuff to go and check out. They analyzed the presence of lists. In the content so you got content and if someone put numbered lists or ordered lists within the content a higher mix of that in content got shared more and ranked better and I'm just like what's the takeaway from this like there's a whole article should we test that should we put more lists in our articles or well, maybe but I actually wonder whether it's just one of these anomalies that's kind of in place but They've found um, in the data showing that. So, I, th- I just think it's an interesting insight. Anyway, I'll leave that to the listeners to go and um, uh, peruse at their leisure.
0: All right, Craig. Uh, prediction of the week. And this is do with HubSpot CMS going enterprise. Now, as we've seen in the HubSpot ecosystem, we've had products like Free, turn up then basic disappeared, started to end up. Professional has pretty much stayed where it is. And we've got enterprise. And they've kind of broken the whole suite into those kind of key areas. So I think this is a pretty valid prediction. Like why does HubSpot CMS not have a free starter pro and enterprise version? Exactly. And let
1: me just tell another story uh, related to this. So one of our clients, uh, we've just completely rebuilt their entire site on hubspot cms this is a global company in 40 or so countries uh, massive site we've taken it over from drupal and rebuilt it in hubspot and the global head of digital who we're main contact chatting he just loves this he loves hubspot cms and you know what he said he said i can't believe how cheap it is that that was his turn like it I never, I don't like to use the word cheap. It's like, I can't believe how much you get for the money. It's so inexpensive to the point that when he was considering options, he's like, he'd almost dismissed HubSpot CMS because it was so inexpensive. He thought it's just a basic tool. It just doesn't have, the, you know, it's not enterprise. He's just going, it's fantastic because now he's into it. This guy, he is into the nitty gritty. He's into the Hubble. He's into the templates. He's into HubDB because we run a lot of the pages from HubDB. He is right across it and he loves it he's just saying, this is fantastic. And when he said, well, the price point is probably what put him off initially. It was just too cheap. He was dismissing. I was like, yeah, HubSpot needs an enterprise CMS tier of their CMS that is, in quotes, reassuringly expensive. And so I think the way they're going to do this is they're going to do exactly what you're saying. They're going to have these tiers where they'll have Startup Pro, an enterprise starter will be just be a very simple add on to, yeah. As you said, starter it'll probably have basic landing pages. You can probably build a simple site with it. Well, if you have and marketing starter, you've got basic landing pages now, yeah, but plus a blog. Plus, I think I'd put yes. a blog there in yes. the in the what I'll call a CMS starter pack. So you can build a very simple site and a blog. Pro will probably be what the CMS is now. We've got everything, yeah, in pro, and then the enterprise they'll have to tack on some. I don't know, some other... It f- could be your... Sm- partitioning. Oh, could be partitioning. Nice one. What, oh, hang on. How would that be different to what they got now? Maybe partitioning at the design level. Yeah. Yeah. I think there'll be a lot more integration options, maybe. You know, HubSpot's a platform, Ian. Did, you, did right. you know that? Yeah. That's, it might have slipped through. Yeah. And then possibly that's some of those smart content things that you're talking about. Maybe, yeah, like, that's maybe right. That's a, maybe that's where it goes into HubSpot CMS Enterprise. But it'll be really expensive. Oh,
0: and there'll be adaptive testing across everything.
1: Oh, yes, adaptive testing, yes, of course. So, look, that's the predi- – do you reckon that'll be inbound 2020?
0: Inbound 2020.
1: It? Here I was, we come. I'm CMS Enterprise here. Yeah. I, look, I think it's such, a, it's such a secret weapon that they've got. It's such it a is. good, mature, flexible, simple-to-use tool. Everyone you know what? That it.
0: is the thing. And for customers of ours and clients that – use the system and have been used to a different way of operating before that is one of their biggest comments to me is the ease of use and the speed to do stuff that they're ever thankful for and I would I would recommend anybody thinking or redesigning their site that don't currently use the HubSpot CMS to actually test it out you know if you if you're already a customer ask for the trial if you work with a partner, Get them to give you the trial because you might be surprised at how good it is.
1: Actually, I just want to say something else. Sorry, I'm drinking the fanboy Kool-Aid here. But (laughs) another thing that I just remembered, have you ever used a CMS system where someone got up to speed on the back end quickly? And by that, I mean building templates. Sure, you train them on the front end. Oh, yeah, this is how you edit a page. Yeah, you can tweet text. But to go in the back end, oh, right, here's how you create a template. They're creating their own templates. They're moving modules around. They're editing. Like I have never I have never had a client where we've shown them WordPress and then we go back and, oh, here's how you create your own template. And they're like, I forget that. Yeah. Whereas here, they're embracing it. Exactly. HubSpot all the way. That's right.
0: Okay, Craig, we've got a HubSpot throwback of the week. Now here's what HubSpot was announcing 12 months ago. Well, this is when they just rolled
1: out the ability to send three follow-up emails from a pop-up form submission.
0: And we love pop-up forms. And we just take that for granted now. Oh yeah, of course they do. That was a year ago. Incremental change, Kaizen, Craig. Now, Craig, the resource of the week is the Marketing and Sales Lead Goal Calculator. And this can be used as a Google Sheet or Excel. And it's how to calculate your SLA with marketing and sales. So, most of you that use HubSpot would probably realize that you have, if you've got your team set up well, you will have an SLA between marketing and sales. And people often skip over this, but now they've actually created a little resource which is how to calculate that and how to come up with the numbers. Uh, Can I ask you, do any of your clients have an SLA
1: between marketing and sales?
0: I'm pushing for it, but no. not one
1: single client of ours does. Correct. And I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I I guess I'm just thinking through. We you know, we've got some large clients. None of them have an SLA. Often their marketing and sales teams get on very well. And maybe they're just Maybe we're lucky enough to work with successful companies where they just don't have a problem with that. Or Or maybe they're not aggressive enough. I don't know.
0: That's right. So, I mean, I had a very similar conversation with a customer of ours today. As we start to work more and more with their sales team, I pose the question is like, what have you as the head of the business proposed to the guys in sales in terms of what you would deliver in terms of leads? I said, because knowing everything we know about SLAs and about marketing and sales alignment and about how HubSpot utilize that in their business, they know that if someone in sales is coming, they're going to deliver, they're going to have to do the X number of leads for this sales rep to work on to then get a result out the other end, which I don't think a lot of people are doing. And I only say this because when I started working with this client, one the feedback from the sales team was, they almost felt more comfortable saying that they could walk down the street, knocking on doors, getting... Better results because they actually didn't get opportunities that were generated online that they could follow up
1: and I think what you're highlighting there is an outbound part of their business, right, and so yeah, our larger clients they have outbound teams, well sales parts of their sales teams are outbound they're doing trade shows they're doing they're doing such a mix of things, and online marketing is part of it, but it's such a mix, and then they are generally quite successful, so it hasn't got to the point where marketing is getting the torch put on them. So, I think it's interesting. I wonder what will happen in a recession when that comes. There will be a lot more pressure. Maybe that's when the SLA comes into effect. It's that's one right. Of these companies.
0: <laughs> oh, hang on. When you talk about the SLA, you've been talking about for the last few years. Yeah. All right,
1: Craig. Now, quote of the week. We really need to, to go to a sage,
0: get a good quote. Who have you chosen? I've chosen one of our favourites. Brian Halligan. Now, listeners, Brian Halligan, we had him as a guest on episode 100. And as we approach episode 200, we'll have someone special again on on that episode. But, you know, there are two great quotes. And these quotes came from Inbound two years ago. And I still think they're valid. The first one is advice for modern marketers. Automate the buying process. Users are expecting you to automate their process. They want a self-service experience with your company so that's the first one and I want to say ever since I heard Brian say that at Inbound I've been thinking about how do we do this for our clients but also for ourselves how do we make it easy for people to buy from us without having for us to get involved make it a self-service experience that's one the bonus is advice for modern marketers Live in social. You're not B2B marketers. You're H2H marketers, human to human. Humans live in Snapchat, Instagram. If you're not marketing on these sites, you might as well be marketing in a trash can.
1: I wonder if he's going to add TikTok to that list now. <laughs>
0: I'm sure he would. And here we are again. We have these conversations. I know you and me, Craig, we have conversations on a weekly basis. About people that say, oh, no, my customers would never use Facebook or Instagram. I'm like, hang on a second, are they people? And then I kind of go, well, what are these people doing when they go home? Or what are they doing in their lunch break? How are they connecting with people? Because believe it or not, the world still revolves around (laughs) while we're doing business and marketing to people. So I'd encourage you, at minimum, and we, we talk about this and we do this probably with our clients. As a standard is, even if you're not going to start marketing on Facebook, install the Facebook pixel, collect the data, and then test and measure. All right, Craig. Now, there are some interesting links of the week. I like this one because I saw this one. It's about how Jeff Bezos' phone got hacked. (laughs) I read the article. I'm not going to say anything about it, but listeners, I would encourage you to go and have a read of it. And you've highlighted a redirect service.
1: Your mileage may vary, but yeah, uh, Redirect service, it's a free one. So be careful because you never know what they're doing with your privacy there. But yeah, it could be useful to some people.
0: Yeah, with a a URL called (laughs) redirect.pizza for sure. Well, listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, please connect with us on LinkedIn. We would love to hear from you. And we would love you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts as that will greatly help us. Well, Craig, until next time. Catch you later, Anne. Thank you for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com.